Welcome, everyone, to our very special 10th episode. We just want to welcome you back to the Dungeon Master's Block, the place where we focus on the Dungeon Master, the most important person in the game, the only person capable of playing God, killing characters, and lowering the egos of all the people at the table. I'm your host, DM Chris. And I'm DM Mitch. And we have a special guest for you today. One of our friends, Jared, uh, has driven down from a couple hours away, well, an hour, uh, to join us for this episode. So how are you, Jared? Doing well. Thanks Good. for having me. Good. Well, we have, a, we have a lot planned today. We're going to be talking about flaws and what make those special. But first, we want to give a couple of shout-outs. So Mitch, would you go ahead and give us a shout-out? Of course. Our first shout-out for this week goes to Rico's The Presentable, uh, his... Comment on iTunes is another five star. Keep them coming. And it's entitled Good Stuff. Short and sweet, he says, Well done and informative. That's what we're trying to be. We're trying to do a good job and be informative. So thank you, Rico's the Presentable. Yeah, and then our next one is from Xanthes. He says, Sweet podcast. He says, Hey guys, DMC here. I know that guy. I've interacted with him a lot on uh, email. We love you. Keep, uh, keep sending your. Emails in, I love interacting with you. Uh, figured I'd give you some iTunes love and shout-outs. Great show, and I look forward to it dropping every week. I've gotten some great ideas and hooks from you guys, and much love for sharing my Dwarven Crit Fumble story in Episode 8. So if you haven't listened to Episode 8, go back and listen to it. Hope your listeners got as good a laugh out of it as we did. Keep on rocking, fellas. So, DMC's those, awesome. Yeah, he's awesome. Yes, I love interacting our, with that guy. Yes, for our uh, top ten, right? Yeah, yeah, he did. Uh, no, that was a different guy. Oh, okay. Different guy. Well, we love but, you too, Dan. Yeah, we, <laughs> we love you too. Uh, so, uh, anyways, what uh, what are we going to be talking about today, Mitch? Flaws and... I don't know. Now I'm just thinking that DMC should have asked for our top ten. Yeah, he should have. Maybe we can just send it to him. <laughs> Maybe he wrote them down. He took notes. I think we could just send it to him. We could probably just send it yeah. to him. Just I, I don't think he'd be too upset. Be like, here, you need this. <laughs> All right. Uh, today we're going to be talking about flaws in our uh, meat section... But of course, as always, before we do that, let's head over to story time. Story time. The time during the episode where we talk about what happened last week during our campaigns, our favorite moments, what we learned about ourselves, and what we learned about each other. Please join us now as we enjoy story time. All right, so Mitch, for story time, we've been doing a little bit of an interesting way of doing D&D this past couple of weeks. you want to share a little bit about that and how it's been going? We've been playing a Twitter campaign, something that um, we would like to, we're going to review on a future episode, and so far it's been going really well and we're really enjoying it. Jared, you're part of that campaign, and so uh, we thought we would share a story that happened just between... Uh, your character and me as the DM on that campaign. Uh, so what happened was, in this Twitter campaign, your character is a ninja, yes? Mm-hmm. Um, so he decides, I'll scout ahead, right? Yeah. Um, so the nice thing about this Twitter campaign is, instead of saying, alright guys, you leave the table, or letting them sit there and go and hear everything that's happened, like nobody knows exactly what happened to your character because we did it through message. And so they all waited at the beginning of this path while you scouted ahead. So do you want to tell us a little bit of what exactly we'll work together and tell the story of what happened to your character in the Twitter campaign as he headed down this path? Sure. Uh, well, I was, I was heading down this path, and uh, we had sort of heard from one of the NPCs that uh, sometimes orcs will come out and attack. So uh, nobody was really sure what they wanted to do, so I decided to scout ahead. Uh, I'm sort of a ninja meets Moroccan guy. <laughs> I don't know. Not a ninja in the traditional sense. I just like the class option. So I, I'm scouting, and I eventually stumble across uh, this 
uh, like campfire that's dimly going, uh, and I spotted a helmet over this ledge. And so I, I decided, instead of going back and saying, hey, there's, there's some guys here, uh, I decided to kind of creep over the ledge or whatever and, uh, and saw that there were a bunch of orc bodies uh, that had been shot by these crudely made arrows uh, around this fire. And so as I was uh, around uh, looking at these arrows, I decided, well, I'll figure out what direction they came from and, and keep scouting that way. And so that's when I really noticed that the arrows sort of came from every direction, like they were surrounded and were snuck up on, uh, which really left me confused as to what I should do at that point. And then you felt this cold wave hit you. You felt the hairs on your arms like stand up on end, and I basically said, you feel like you're not alone. You feel like you're being watched. Um, and I had you roll a spot check, and you, for a brief second, like turn around and um, you see these blue glowing eyes like up on a ledge in this uh, cavernous path uh, looking down at you. And as soon as you see them, they're gone. And so what do you do? I think, was that was that when I tried running away? Or, or like, I tried to Not run... yet. <laughs> no? What did I do? You had a whole... You, you, you said, you put your, your sword away? Uh, I, I, think that, I think that happened a little bit later. I think, didn't I try and hide and I tripped over an orc's Oh, yes. Yeah, you I, tried to jump back into the shadow. Right, and I, got a, I rolled a one on it, and so I trip over this orc's <laughs> foot, and I stumble across, and I sort of turn around and I pull out my sword, yep. sort of like on my back, uh, to defend myself if needed, and nothing really happened. And so yep. I, I sheathed my sword, and I sort of walked out with my hands up in the air like I was going to surrender, and, and I wasn't going to do anything, and, and nothing happened. And so I'm silence. Sta- <laughs> just silence. Nothing happened. Nobody did anything. Nobody attacked me. I didn't notice anything. Uh, and so I had the bright idea, and so I, I yell out basically into the darkness that I was going to have uh, my assassin brothers come and just <laughs> slit their throats or shoot them with arrows or whatever if they didn't reveal themselves. And so I yell that out into the darkness. And silence. And, and, then, nothing, <laughs> and then nothing happened. And so I was like, all right, well, I just got to keep this going. Like, maybe I've, I've fooled whatever it is. And I said, uh, basically, all right, brothers, on my signal. And silence. And then nothing happened. <laughs> now, I think it was at this point that you, like, messaged me and you're like, I don't know if my character's going crazy right now, if there's actually anything here. Like, you had no idea whether it was, like, maybe some spell hit you, maybe your character is just thirsty. <laughs> you don't know if there's actually somebody there. Right. Um, uh, and so I, I thought, okay, well, maybe maybe what I was thinking, maybe what I saw is gone. Like, maybe it left, maybe it was more scared of me than I was of it. Uh, at least, I kind of, that's what I thought. But no DM's going to make something like that happen, right? <laughs> so uh, I decided to turn and walk away. Uh, to head back where I was, and that's when I saw a figure, a hooded figure. I have no idea what it is still at this point. Um, basically, right there, and then uh, in a very like scary voice, uh, he spoke to me. I don't remember exactly what he said. Something along. Oh, he was. You should not have come here. I'm not welcome. Um, yep, you're not welcome. And you, uh, you continued the the bluff, <laughs> trying right. to make him think that you're not alone. I think. At the, I think at that. Yeah, I think at that point I don't I don't remember exactly what happened, but uh, I ended up walking towards him. I was just yeah. gonna I was just gonna casually and calmly walk by Try him, to brush <laughs> like he did like it didn't bother me at all that he was there. Yeah. Uh, and I As think, you see three dead orcs and you see these eyes peering at you from a ledge, you're like I'm just gonna walk out past this guy. He's not gonna do anything to me. Is that when he drew his? sword? I think that's when he drew his sword, and so. Uh, 
Uh, I had an attack of opportunity. I denied it because I just I wanted to talk to this guy. Uh, so <laughs> you I died harder. <laughs> I did take my attack of opportunity and said I, I spoke to him about like how he could be free uh, or whatever. Oh, because he must have at this point already told me that like I was going to join his brothers, which were yeah. all the blue eyes. Yeah, you looked up and you saw more blue eyes up right. like from the uh, from ledges looking down on you. You couldn't exactly see what they were, and so you even. Try to bluff me more. You're like, oh, why would you call these illusions here? And then at that point, an arrow strikes the ground right next to you, and you're like, all right, maybe not, maybe not. The <laughs> you know, my my guy is like, he's an abolitionist, and so he's trying to end slavery, and that's really his purpose in life. And so he's trying to convince this guy, who's who's admitted that he's here to protect this weapon that we're supposed to get as a group and destroy it, and we're supposed evil. to destroy it because it's evil. And he's like, oh, I have to protect this weapon until he arrives. And I have no idea who he is. But anyway, so I, I try brushing past him. He pulls his weapon. I talk about how I can free him or, or something like that. Uh, and then he attacks me. <laughs> With this translucent blade yeah. that's like glowing blue flames. And instead of like cutting you, it just like goes through you and you feel cold inside, like through the hit. And basically you get in this battle with this guy the whoever's up ahead on top aren't shooting arrows. They're just letting you two go at it. And you keep trying to trip him and stab him while he's down. Um, and he's he keeps hitting you. And with each hit, you're losing constitution. Losing constitution until the point where you were just about to die. Yeah, I got down to a constitution of three. So and at that point, I probably should have just fallen <laughs> over. But uh, I was going to keep going. I'm a ninja. So my main thing is a sudden strike. If I don't, if he can't lose his dex modifier to his AC, then I can't do anything to him. So I'm just trying to trip him and attack him, trip him and attack him. Uh, and I was just going to keep going with that until eventually... Uh, you had oh, this right. brilliant idea. So, so Quote-unquote brilliant. <laughs> so, so basically, uh, I get to a point where like I'm not going to let you enslave me. My character has a big fear of being a slave. Uh, and so I'm not going to let you do that. So I pull a dagger and I put it to my throat... Uh, like, I'm not going to let that happen. And so I pretended to slice my throat. And as I did that, I chucked the dagger at him yeah. uh, for a good one damage. Uh, so I was pretty proud of that. You hit him right in the eyes. But I, but I hit him really good. Right Is that why the face. dagger ended up in your back? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it continues. It hits so, him right in the eyes. Your character, Chris, actually, that's what you heard the shriek of. You heard the dagger hitting the face yeah. of this character. Okay. And he let out a shriek. Um, and so the dagger hits, and you, like, rolled a bluff check on it. He thought you were pretending to slit your throat. And he was like, go for it. Like, I need you dead. And so you threw the dagger, hits him in the eyes. For a second, he's distracted. You run up. You trip him. Now, at this point, you're ready to continue the battle. And I, as the DM, give you a little hint. Are you sure you want to do that? And you're like, all right. I won't. I run. I take the opportunity. I run. You started running. And your constitution was at three. You're like, you're skinny, you're like skin and bones, like it sucked the life out of you, and you're about to drop in fatigue when the sun breaks over the the horizon as you're running towards it, and... Gandalf came and they all turned to stones. <laughs> and it lights through the path, and all these creatures just, like, screech and disappear. Yeah. And then eventually your friends come... I, I faint, so yeah. I collapse, yeah. so I'm unconscious... And they come and they find me with two arrows in my back and my dagger your sticking dagger, out. Your dagger, yeah. <laughs> Three which, streaks across your chest that I, were necrotic. Which I'm really glad I got out. back because it is a masterwork dagger. I would have had to fight it. <laughs> that only did one damage. He well. shows up to fight you again. He's just got it still in his face. <laughs> like, <he's laughs> sure. uh, so that was our one of our good stories. It was really fun to interact. 
one-on-one and, like, have the rest of the group until now, Chris. It's been <laughs> Not a lot. really know exactly yeah. what's going on. It's been a lot more fun in the Twitter campaign it's, than I thought. It's been good. Yeah. We'll talk about yeah. it in a review in a later episode. Yeah. Uh, so, Chris, what about your campaign? Yeah, so we played uh, last week, and we had a lot of stuff happen this night. It was it was basically just a, a big dungeon crawl night uh, where you guys had gotten this message from one of the NPCs. was like, hey, you know, come to this place. I'll be here. We can we can uh, fight the big dragon that you guys have been being chased by for the past couple of weeks, and uh, so you guys went down. Uh, the way you had to go down was you had to surf down this big like sewer tube. Yep. Remember that uh, slip and slide, slip and slide. Yeah, essentially, and you had to do it like one at a time, and it, it kind of went down and then leveled out, and you shot across into this room, and there was a pool of water at the bottom that you could either uh, like try and slow down and fall into, or you could try and shoot across. Yep. Make like a acrobatics check and land like a tumble <laughs> check or whatever. Um, everybody went across the pool, which is a really good Except idea. For me. <laughs> yeah, you you use spider crawl. Yeah, uh, I was spider like, climb. I'm not just, athletic. Yeah, yeah, screw everybody's that. like everybody's like, and and so everybody that was in the room was like, every time somebody was coming down, they saw like the rush of water, like when you see on water slides when they come down, and and everybody's like, is Mitch coming down? Like what's where is he? What's he doing? I've DM'd longer than you, so I know the tricks of being a DM, and I'm like, alright, he's put a pool at the bottom, he's made an effort to say, there's a pool at the bottom that you have to jump over, and I, I'm just like, if I fall in that pool, something bad's yeah. probably gonna happen. Yeah. Nobody did. Nobody so did. So do you want to actually reveal to us what, was there something, or yeah, there was, was uh, harmless? <laughs> I was going to, if, if you got sucked into that room, uh, I had a big map drawn out. And I didn't want to like, like if you fell if into you the fell pool, into the there pool was another room there was somewhere. another room somewhere that you were gonna <laughs> show up in and then you had to try and like find your way out of gotcha. it. Um, I didn't have it drawn on there because I didn't want like places to yeah, get yeah, like yeah, moved yeah. out of the way and uh, and for that to be revealed. So I, I didn't draw it on there right away. But yeah, you guys would have been just like sucked down uh, and you would have <laughs> like popped up in this other room on the other side of the the hmm. dungeon and had to find your way back. Just just kind of like splitting the party. Man, type I thing. wish I didn't do that. <laughs> splitting the party is my dream. Well, come you guys, true. yeah, yeah, it is. You do that every single time. I try, at least. but you guys found out that it was like something fell in the pool. I think you guys like cut off a god or a kobold's head or something, something like that, and it was just I said, "All right," or no, I think somebody like pushed him or something or mm-hmm. killed him, and he fell backwards into the pool, and it just says. He got sucked down and yeah. disappears into the, into the pool, and everybody was like, "Oh my gosh, I'm Good so glad I didn't fall in the pool." Yeah. Uh, but so that was that was the first part of the night. You guys had to figure out how to get down this slide, um, and then you guys you guys had a lot of puzzles you had to figure out this night. Um, the first one was you had the the box push. Each person had a box that was a, you know associated with them, and they had to push it across the room into a hole. And at the same time, you guys are fighting Cabolts Cabolts slip at the same and, time. Slip and slide. Yeah, and yeah. <laughs> and did any? I don't remember. Did any of them fail? Did, they, did any of them fall into the pool right away? I don't think so. I don't think so. But uh, one of our players started to stick spears in the ground. Yeah, he used to, like old kobold bodies yeah, to prop to, up spears <laughs> so that they would come flying so into the javelin. And the walking dead. Yeah, right a couple of them it. did get skewered yeah. on there. Uh, but yeah, so you guys had that. You guys got through that room. It, it based, yeah, I mean, you, you, you figured out the puzzle, unlocked the door, were able to walk through to the next room. Um, there were a couple of traps put out. Every once in a while, like, you had a couple of, like, uh, doors you would try and open and you'd get blasted by flames or whatever, or the, the person in front did. Um, you guys had uh, a couple of other puzzles. You had one that I was really excited for you guys to play. Uh, was the ground spelling game, where there were, like, the letters on the ground or whatever. So annoying. Yeah, it was. It was, because you got stuck in there the first time. Yeah. Well, uh, 
Yeah, that was alright. <laughs> yeah, it was it was funny because there was a there was a a face in the wall that looked like a halfling that was like mm-hmm. giving you clues as to what you were supposed to spell. He's like, it's a person, place, or a thing that you've come across since you've gotten in this dungeon, and everybody's like, well, that's a heck of a lot of things to try and it figure became out. Became a a running joke throughout the night to punch every time he passed this halfling face, we just punch him in the face. Yeah, he was just could. he was kind of just like, nope, it's not water, <laughs> it's not this, it's not that. And every time, like one of our characters was just like, I punch him in the face, and I had like fake blood come down his nose. And one guy ended up drawing like a mustache on him and, and a goatee we with killed, like, like his knife bold and just smeared. His, yeah, like, smeared dead the blood on it. Yeah, face. he's like, he's like, ah, people have done that before, no big deal. <laughs> you know, so. That was fun. You guys figured out how to get through that room while while fighting kobolds at the same time. Again, it was kind of like a reverse dungeon mm-hmm. almost. Like you guys are you like normally you go into a dungeon to fight all these creatures. Instead, you were trying to get through this dungeon, and creatures were trying to chase you yeah. and kill you. So it was it was kind of fun. That was kind of my idea going through. You had another puzzle that you had to figure out. It was like there was there were two statues on either side of the rooms. One said, "Hey, I have some riddles for you. If you if you get these riddles right." You can go through to the next area. And then there's one that's like, don't play a stupid riddle game. Like, just pay me and I'll open it up for you. And you guys had like this, you know, weird, like, which one do I do? Do I just pay I got, or do I, I get a riddle? The first or... two right and other people couldn't. And yep. Yep. Then the third one, nobody else got it right. I'm just like, come on, guys. What are you doing? Yeah. I, of course, didn't know what it was. Yeah. But, yeah. but I was like, guys, I've got two out of three. Yeah. Why do you guys yeah. get this other one? Yeah. Yeah, because if you got it, if you got one of them wrong, you instantly fell fell asleep. Mm-hmm. Uh, you were like knocked out, and so he's like, "Guys, you got to get my last question right," you know. And the other one's like, "No, you can just pay. You can just come over here and pay before you have to answer the question." Um, so that was fun. It opened up like a secret tunnel where you went under, and, and you got up to the the main area where the the boss was. You also figured out because you came down this big tube. Uh, you guys were kind of like, "How the heck are we going to get out of here? Like, we can't crawl up this tube again." And uh, this used to be like an old thieves guild that was in the in the the cellar or the the sewers of of the city you were in, uh, and there was a secret way into the city. You don't know where it goes up into. You just know it looked kind of like a uh, like a sewer grate in the city. You don't know where exactly in the city it is, but you guys found this way out. You had to figure out a secret book that was on one of the shelves in the room, and it opened up a passage and stuff like that. And was your character the one that found it? Oh, we just went around and knocked. Yeah, you just knocked it. Off You're like, shelves. huh? I wonder if there's my anything character was like, about this I've room. seen things like this before. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. He just comes through and just knocks all of them down until he finds one that doesn't move and he just pulls it back. So yeah, you guys found that secret way out of the out of the the dungeon, and then you came to the big part of the night, um, where you guys had to fight your first dragon. Um, you guys got into this room. You saw your friend Dale, who was also a dragon. Um, and there's a whole lore behind why the dragons are fighting and stuff like that, and there's one of the the evil dragons coming to kill you guys. And he gives you something for your weapons that was pretty pretty fun. Oh, remember what happened to Mark's sword? Oh, so you yeah, guys, I posted about it on the yeah, Twitter feed. Yeah, you guys, you guys got these, like, it was like a red orb of, like, malleable <laughs> goo stuff or whatever. Yeah. Um, and he, he, you know, the guy explains, like, hey... Put it on one of your weapons, and it will help you fight dragons. Like it'll it'll give you improvement to dragons. And so you you I think you put it on like your your card deck or whatever because you were a arcane card. card deck, yeah. yeah, your arcane card deck. Another guy put it on his the sword, his masterwork the weapon. They his have, masterwork yeah. sword. One of our one of our guys. He put it on his masterwork sword, and I think it was like the first hit he tried to he make on the dragon. One. Got a crit one. And we have a very different crit one system. Yeah. And basically, he 
kept roll. We have like crit ones after you roll crit ones. Yeah. And you could get it's basically the chance like if you roll that crit one, the DM gets to do something really bad and we you, they still you still roll to find out what happens and he rolled and we've never seen it ever happen before. Yep. But his weapon broke. Yeah, that was his that crit was the one. number that he rolled. Yeah, <laughs> and so the first attack it's... he gets after getting this magical sword to do damage on the dragon, he misses the dragon and he breaks the. It sword. breaks the sword on the ground, and it was like, it was this moment of like. I remember he came to me before, and he's from a blacksmithing family, and he's like, "Yeah, it's like it's a sword that me and my dad made together, or something <laughs> like that." And like, there's this, there's just this heritage behind the sword. And it breaks. And it he's a two, like, like he's a two weapon fighter. <laughs> like he has all these skills to be like the best two weapon fighter. And he's down to one non masterwork weapon. It was at this, this point. moment where you wanted to be like, dude, I'm really sorry. Like that's I so, laughed. So I laughed so hard. But everyone <laughs> just laughed except for him. He just, because he it was takes just his, so he takes his shirt and just so pulls it up over his head. He's like, I don't even want to. We couldn't be even here. pretend like it was not funny. <laughs> it was I know. It was just one of those moments where I was like. I, I literally laughed out loud, and then I just, after it said it, I was like, that really sucks yeah. for him. Because um, he's, like, all of his feats are in, like, two-weapon fighting and stuff like that at this point <laughs> in time. And it's like, he's down to one weapon, and he's fighting a dragon that he can barely hit. That's why I gave you guys these special abilities to be able to hit him. Oh, it was just, I felt so bad for him. Um, but then he said, I think he said something to the effect of, like, I have enough gold to buy another one. It's not that big of a deal. I was just like... Yeah, but you could die from a dragon right now. <laughs> I don't like, ever feel deal. bad for you. Yeah, yeah. Why yeah. do I ever feel bad for you? Yeah, yeah. But <laughs> you so, know who you are. Yeah. So, <laughs> and he probably will listen to this too. I don't feel bad for you anymore. Um, but yeah, so then we had to fight the dragon, and uh, it it got to the point where you know you guys were um, getting really low on health. You were doing your own thing. I think you you ran up to catch a couple of kobolds, and you got in the line of the cone breath. Of I fire. there's a red dragon. Yeah. I just got unlucky. Yeah, you did. I decided to use... I was like, you know, my character's built around a charge attack. I've never used a charge attack. Maybe I'll use a charge attack. Yeah. And first time I used a charge attack, I I run and I didn't know the dragon was blowing fire that way. And apparently it was. And he was was basically waiting for... Negative 16. Yeah. He was was waiting for... Because he had one guy behind him, two on each side. And he's like, well... Just gonna wait until there's like two people in a line, so I get the most effect out of my my fire breath. And you just happen to run. I think you were like at the thirty foot mark yeah. for his, his breath attack. There. Yeah, and like you were like just in range of it, and I was like, oh, sorry, dude. Oh, roll reflex check to do half. Oh nope, you didn't. No, nope, you <laughs> didn't. And I think it did like thirty eight damage yeah, or something it like that. And, right away. <laughs> yeah, and you got down to I think because we play negative fifteen for yeah. the for your health. And you got down to negative sixteen, mm-hmm. and so your this was the first time I've ever had to deal with DM like yeah. as well. You even text somebody, me and you're like, "What do you have?" Yeah, I know. Because I, I saw you, and you're like, "I'm like, I'm like, don't, don't save me." Like, yeah, just, just yeah. this is your first time dealing with yeah. death. Just deal with it. I'm okay with it. And you're like, are you sure? I'm like, yeah, yeah sure. Like, <laughs> yeah. just do it. I like, felt so bad. I don't, I don't like cheating death. I, if oh my, no! If my guy dies, he dies. I'm yeah. I'm a I'm an adult. I'll move on. I also was kind of getting a little bit tired of the character. Yeah, yeah, because I like, built him around like being—he was a wizard that was could also wear armor and he was also good at fighting. And so, so he was, was balanced. He was pretty balanced, but he wasn't really great yeah, at anything. Yeah, and so just kind of I'm mediocre. excited for my next character. Yeah, I'm excited so, for your next character. Yeah, I'm gonna, we can we can say it because no, yeah. it'll be past 
time when maybe well I don't uh, know. It, yeah it, it was, was but uh, I'm gonna be a uh, it's everything I found on the internet says everybody don't says, do it it's yeah, the worst multi it class it's so terrible I say challenge accepted I'm gonna be a barbarian wizard I think it'll be fun to watch uh, yeah so I took one class one level of barbarian first level of barbarian which gives me way more skills which gives me. I rolled well for this guy too. Yeah, like, you did. Yeah, I rolled yeah, in front you, of you, yeah, and you I got really like well. a seventeen and eighteen. Like I think the lowest roll was an eight, and that's was going eight, into yeah. my wisdom. So I'm not like very yeah. wise. I don't think you had anything lower than like a ten or an eleven after that. No, uh, everything. I think it was like 14, 14, 13, 17, 18, and eight, eight. I believe. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But so I'm going to be a barbarian wizard first level max HP in barbarian, and then just wizard. I'm only taking spells that pump me up. Yeah, you're <laughs> going, going to be a pump huge you up. Yeah, I just, yeah I'm going to uh, <laughs> gonna turn my swords into flames, going to enlarge myself. Because I was like, you know, really, Barbarian, like you level up and you get better fighting feats, but I can take fighting feats, and like I'm not getting stronger yeah. as the, I level up. So if like that's not really helping me that much, but if I take wizarding spells, like I can't wait until I get third level spells. I'm gonna get. I told. Did I tell you I was gonna take a keen? Uh, I forget what it's called. Keen weapon or something like that, mm-hmm. and it doubles your crit range. So with my falchion, um, which is like a 18 to 20, it'll turn into a 15 to 20 crit range. And I'm like, that's for a fighter? That's freaking sweet. Yeah. And now this only lasts for so long. Yeah, long yeah, it doesn't day, last forever. But, but that's, yeah. what, that's what this character is going to be based around is magically making himself better. He's going to have his spell book tattooed on his body instead of carrying a spell book. <laughs> I'm excited about it. I'm, It'll be, I'm excited yeah. for you to play it. I'll, it I'll be, like, also be a semi-smart wizard like I'll admit to you I'm a little jealous that you're doing this because I was sitting here and I was looking through like different classes and I think it was like I think it was like rage mage or something I saw and I was just like that seems really cool and you were like I was like oh my gosh barbarian wizard yeah and I was just like God, I hate you right now. Because I was like, that would be so much fun. You can play like my uh, my twin brother. I can be Yarp and you can be Darp. <laughs> oh gosh, Yarp and Darp. But yeah, so I mean, that was that was the first time that I've ever had to deal with death, and it's not quite over. We ended with your body being taken into another room by some medical murs. And if you yeah. haven't heard about them, you should listen to last episode because we talk about murs a lot. Two episodes or two episodes eight. ago. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Episode eight. Yep, episode eight. You should listen to it. Right. Now it was your first time dealing with death. Yep. Um, and we talked a little bit about this after, but one, if you go back and listen to the last episode, yeah. <laughs> episode nine about death and dying, like one of the things we talk about is not passing over like quickly a character's death. Yeah. Now, as I said, I was kind of a little bit bored with this character. I I'm I've also DM'd enough that like I don't. Sometimes I'm like, oh, players, like they let me down. I get it. Yeah. Like, whatever. They don't focus on story as much as like I love story. Um, but we kind of like both coming from a DM's perspective, like saw something that was kind of disappointing. I, at yeah, the table. I, I, Do you I was thinking a like, I was, on that I was and thinking how you like worked with it. Yeah. So the way the campaign is set up is you guys like grew up in the same city together, yeah. like you knew each other. Um, and, and have been and, traveling with each yeah, other. Yeah, you've been traveling months. with each other for a couple of months. Like you watched your families get like go through a whole bunch of hardship and stuff, uh, and you're trying to solve this problem. Like we need to get rid of this. Yeah. Um, and so you guys. You died, like yeah. your character died, died yep. and everybody was kind of just like, "All right, well, we're just gonna leave." And should keep I search the on. bodies? Uh, yeah, yeah. Hey, uh, Dale, how you doing? Like, yeah, yeah. It, it there was like no real 
And I don't know if it, this could have been because it was late. It was like 11.30 at night, so everybody could have been getting tired. Maybe not. I, I don't know what people were thinking, but it was just kind of like, I was hoping they would have showed a little bit more uh, compassion towards your guy. Like, our just, friend just, just died. Yeah, it doesn't matter who it is. Yeah. It's a member of the group. And like, you and me talked about it after, I was like, I was just like, you know, I wasn't really upset. I was like, whatever. I was more just like, come on, guys. Like, yeah. a player's character died. Yeah. I'm disappointed from a DM's point of view that you're not no- yeah. even noticing this. Like, yeah. what's your problem? Well, that literally, you, you've you traveled together for months, but you've yeah. also been playing this character in real life yeah. together for a couple of months. This is not Call of Duty where a guy goes down <laughs> and he respawns. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there is resurrection. Yeah, there is resurrection. But but we don't have the money yeah, to do that, nor do I do want it, that. Nor do you want that, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I was, I was hoping that there was a little bit more, and that's kind of why I... I made them take him. That wasn't in the yeah. story originally for them to take him into another room. Well, I hope it wasn't in the story to kill me. Chris. No, it wasn't. It wasn't. But, like, I didn't have something planned out that it was, like, if a character died. Because I had a feeling somebody was going to, like, die or get extremely close because you're fighting a dragon. Yeah. Like, um, and I, I I never had imagined that I would have to add a separate room where the medical myrrh take your body away to force something that's like, oh, they're taking our friend's body away. We should probably go with it, yeah. you know? Um but, you know, I, I, I put that in there purposely for people to think about it because maybe it was late, whatever the thinking was, maybe a couple of weeks before we play again, or I think we're playing two weeks from now, whenever it is, it, they'll have had some time to think about it and maybe it'll be at the beginning of the night, they'll spend a little bit more time on remembering your character. I will um, say, uh, as a DM sitting at the table with you DMing, like, I thought what you did was extremely appropriate um, like I said, for me, it wasn't that upsetting as a, of a moment as I feel like most people with their, uh, their characters dying yeah. would be. Um, I also, because I go, don't get to play that much, I'm kind of like, oh, I'm excited to play a new character. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but that being said, like, I'm like, well, what if I was upset about this yeah. and this was the reaction? This is disappointing. Yeah. Like, this is terrible. And so, what you did was you, as the DM, did not go and do the same exact thing as the players were doing, going, oh, he's dead, whatever, moving on, yeah. like, not a big deal. Uh, you tried to honor that character and show homage to him. Yeah. And, like, that's just, especially if players are not doing it, like, that's that's a big thing that, yeah. as the DM, you do what you can yeah. to show respect to the player and to their character. Yeah, because I think I think one as a DM, I didn't want to set the precedent that death is not a big deal. Because um, there's probably going to be other characters that die throughout this, and I didn't want it to be like, oh well, yeah, we'll just move on from death every single time. And two, like I know as a player, when my character dies, I want people to remember him. I want people to be like, hey, we're holding a service or whatever it is for him. And people don't necessarily think about that when it's not their character dying. And I was like, just. You know, giving them the opportunity to say, think about if your character died, how big of a deal would it be for you if nobody paid tribute to your character? You know, so I, I wanted to, I wanted to add that little element in there. So, yeah. all right, well, let's get to the meat, and we can hear from Jared a little bit more. There we go. I'm starving. We ain't had nothing but maggoty bread for three stinking days. Why can't we have some meats? Looks like meat back on the menu, boys! So for the meat this week, we're going to be talking about flaws. Whether uh, having flaws in your characters is a good thing. And so we'll talk about whether that's NPCs, but we're going to be focusing mostly on 
your players' characters and how flaws for the players' characters can be a really great thing. Alright, so we are, of course, focused on the Dungeon Master, and so players' characters, I know some of you might be thinking, well, that's not that's for a player, but uh, while that is a focus for players, you are the Dungeon Master. You oversee the whole game, so what your players are doing should be, of course, as interest an interest to you, and you should be focused on that. Uh, so players having flaws in their character should be really interesting for the Dungeon Master because it gives them more to work with in their story. We are all sitting here because we have uh, a very focused and agreed mindset on flaws. They are a good thing. Yeah, they're a very good thing. We all like them. Jared, you're specifically here because uh, we've we've seen you play in camp in our campaigns that you have, and you we, we went through all the characters that you played, and you're like, man, I really do like flaws. I didn't even realize that about myself, how much I love flaws, but... You, uh, your characters, you're always trying to find some kind of thing that's a flaw with them. In fact, I would say that when you play a character, sometimes you're way more concerned about their flaws than what they're actually good at. And I've seen it, I've seen it, like, it's beautiful. It's like you make a character based around a flaw that ends up making that character one of the most memorable characters ever. And so when you talk to, as a DM, when you talk to your players about the idea of, a flawed character or a flawless character, which is better, um, you can you can give that as a reason why they should be uh, flawed characters because it'll open the doors for great opportunities. Let's talk about the idea of like pros and cons for uh, flawed characters and what those pros and cons can lead to in a D and D campaign. Yeah, uh, I can start us off. I think I think the first one is it makes your characters a little more human. Yep, you know. It, there's always that fear of if nobody has a flaw, it's just going to be like your character is not actually human. There's there there has to be something wrong with him, you know. And if there's not, it's kind of like, well, what do we do? This guy's just like superhuman. He's got absolutely nothing wrong with him. He never did anything in his past that was wrong. He has no issues with you know being a thief or like having this compulsion to gamble or something like that. You know, you know what I mean? It, it just makes it makes your character seem a little bit more human. You know how to interact with them maybe a little bit more. As a DM with your NPCs and with with players as well, fear can also be like a flaw that I think that's a flaw that is so overlooked by players oh, yeah. um, all the time in D and D because you're playing a game where you're like oh, my character's not afraid of anything and so the dungeon master drops a dragon in and I've seen players like it's like I'll drop something in and I've said to players before like oh we're gonna play in an open world style there's gonna be creatures that you're not gonna be able to beat like that you might just want to run away from at a certain point. And I never see characters go, we gotta get out of here! They're always like, I face it head on! And once they're almost dead, they go, oh, I gotta get out of here! But it's like, <laughs> it's not until their character's actually gonna die that there's fear. And I think that's something that, like you're saying, makes them more human, makes them more real. Like, having that fear, having a fear in certain... Like, you see a big ogre with a huge club, you shouldn't... Like, not every character should be As a puny level like, one, you should not run in there. <laughs> yeah. Now there's a point that it's like, you you want a character who's brave and who would right, run into right. battle, but there Even is brave something people to be said. know their limits, there's so, Yeah, there's something to be said about fear um, being a good aspect of a character. Yeah. I think one of the most important benefits to flawed characters, in my opinion, is uh, the, the story aspect of the game. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it's vital that a DM is creating situations that develop story based on how the characters react. And so when you have 
the main characters have flaws, um, that is something that the DM can use to create story, to create drama and situations. I think the, the single driving factor to any story is good conflict. Yes. Um, and it's also an avenue for a player to create story uh, and to role play that flaw uh, very well. And so you have memorable stories, mm-hmm. uh, not just we had a really big dragon, we went and killed it. Because we're really good at killing dragons <laughs> and stuff. Yay. Uh, we'll probably do that again at some point in time. It's, it's, we went and there was this dragon and it was on an island and I'm deathly afraid of water. Yep. And I'm deathly afraid of dragons, <laughs> but we had to do it. And so I somehow found People it. scare me. Just <laughs> <laughs> um, afraid of everything. I'm scared of dragons. I'm scared of killing dragons. I'm scared of being killed by dragons. I'm scared of running away from dragons. <laughs> One thing that we've one thing we've also seen, like besides the like, you're so right. You hit a nail on the head when you say it opens up the doors for uh, role playing opportunities. It lets the DM latch onto things and go, okay. Like I always, when I'm like DMing, I'm like, if you have fears, please write it down. Let me know so I can take that into account and remember it. Now that doesn't mean that if you write, like I, I've seen some pretty ridiculous fears that players have written down, like. Oh, I have a, a fear of teddy bears. Does that mean that I'm going to go? All right, next encounter, it's going to be a bunch of animated objects. They're all teddy bears. Like, it's a like, all right, that looks like there's a teddy so little coincidental yeah. DM, but it's like I have a fear of water. I have fear of this. Well, that's going to come into play like sometime in this campaign. You're and probably going to see water. Yeah, when it does, that's going to be a big thing. But not only does it open the door for like role playing opportunities, but for the DM to work with the player, but it also is good for the other players around the table. It lets them have a fun time trying to figure out um, what flaws are, what their fears are in other players, and it opens the door for players to interact with each other and to work off of that. And it just creates more role-playing opportunities in general. Yeah. It's good for I know, I know in my experience as a player, uh, and we've, I've had a little bit of this as being a DM, it's always fun to watch people be like, that's why you do what you do. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. And it makes, like, like for your characters, they've always yeah. had that sort of flaw. And it makes, like, people always look back at Joe Field and a couple of other guys because they always had that thing that made them such a great character. You know, like, uh, I think that's why, yeah, I think, I think watching other players discover those flaws is, is a ton of fun, too. Yep. Um, and I think that if you as a player can take hold of the idea of flaws... And instead of looking at it as a, like, this is awful, like, this is, why do I need a flaw? Like, as a DM, if you're going to encourage your your players to take a flaw with your characters, explain it to them the right way. Be like, guys, like, take a flaw that you're going to be happy with. Like, and honestly, some players, they might never be able to be happy with it. They might not just, they, they just want to play their flawless character, um... And that's a huge flaw in that personality of that person. <laughs> Not in a player, just in no, a person. No. But, uh, no, you but, suck uh, as a human being. <laughs> no, but like, it's, you can take a flaw and make it into, into something that's just amazing with your character. Oh, yeah. It makes your character stand out. Like, you, every player is trying to do something to make their character stand out amongst the group of all the other adventurers. I've seen flaws like Jared, especially where you your characters come from. Your flaws have made your character loved by the entire group so many times. That's kind of why your I character did you here. <laughs> your characters get so much like focus from the rest of the group and develop friendships with the rest of the group's characters because of a flaw that you had. And I think that's just something that's amazing. And as as players, if you latch onto that, you can just you can just take that and go to the moon with it. It's yeah. it can yeah. be great. 
everybody loves, even if it's to a small degree, some sort of underdog story. Yes. Uh, that doesn't have to be the theme of the whole adventure, but uh, if you have a gambling addiction and all of a sudden you have to go into a gambling hall for some reason, that's an underdog story that's happening. Like, how are you going to get out of that situation without losing all your money? And the friends around you want to invest in that. And how are we going to get this guy out of this room without spending all of our gold? Everybody, <laughs> everybody perks up at that. Just that's an amazing example. Like you, okay, nobody has any flaws. You guys enter into gambling hall. Cool, maybe I can gamble a little bit. You have a character in your group that has a gambling problem. You guys enter into a gambling hall. You have the whole group's attention. They're all focused. Oh gosh, Bob's got a gambling problem. <laughs> this is gonna be ludicrous. <laughs> like, and it, it like that character who has that flaw latches on. Is like. I'm going to the table. I'm gonna put. Yeah. All, I put down all my money, and then I put down. I bet more money that I don't even have, and I look uh, at my group hey and guys, I give them a wink. Yeah, can like, you uh, can you lend me like twenty gold? <laughs> I lost seven thousand. I need to start earning it back. Oh gosh, yeah, it's it's amazing. Let's all right. So let's focus on what about what about the cons of having a flawed character? Um, clearly, we mentioned some players are. Just not going to like it. No matter how hard you push, no matter how hard you explain, no matter how much you show them, some players are just going to hate it. If you as a DM have a group that you bring this up as an idea and they just all jump down your throat, maybe it's not a good idea for your group. Well, they, um, they may create a flaw and then just never use it yeah. because they don't want to. <laughs> they could, you yes, know? exactly. Yeah. And, uh, and I think that there's a difference between a flaw that's just it's affecting your stats. And it's just annoying because it's like, well, it gives me a plus, a minus two to hit all the time. Yeah. And you're not really role-playing with that. But you want a good flaw that you can role-play. More of a That's character flaw, not just an ability flaw. Yeah, and ability flaws can be great as they long can as turn, they, they can turn into play. character flaws. Yep. Yeah, like a low, you know, having a low intelligence, you're yeah. a little bit dumb. Rolling you know? terrible on a stat, a dump stat, you can have a dump stat and just be like, yeah, I just don't want to do it. Okay, that's my least... My least valuable stat, I'll throw that as my dump stat, and then you just ignore everything. Or you can go and make your dump stat into, that's part of what my character's built on. Yeah. It's going to be great. Yeah, you could do something Low like intelligence that. is one of the best things to play out. You're the barbaric, dumb orc, and you can be just so entertaining on that. Yeah, level. oh yeah. I think one of the other one of the other things is, you have to be careful that your players don't take too big of a flaw, because mm-hmm. that can put a hindrance on your game, too. And I think the key word is can. Yeah, because, can, yeah. Because we've, Jared, your flaws are always huge, but they add to the game instead of putting it, a hindrance. If it's something that, like, a player can't get past, and it's going <laughs> to hinder you going to the next point in yeah. a game, like, I feel like that's going to be too big of an issue. Right. You either have to have that conversation that's like, dude, it's not that big of a flaw, like, don't make it into a big deal. At some point in time, your character should realize, I need to move past this flaw and not just sit and just ponder this for so Some long. Some jerky player who hates the fact that you're bringing up flaws is like, all right, I have a flaw. I have no limbs. <laughs> Deal with that, DM. <laughs> <laughs> all right. <laughs> all right, we throw you in the back of the cart. Done. Uh, there we yeah. go. Um, one of the main... A wizard with no limbs. It's <laughs> awesome. Carry around. <laughs> One of the main sort of themes that you're always going to have is that you have proactive and capable people doing exciting things. And so a flaw can't be something that stops all of that from happening. It can be a hindrance to that. Like, you still want to sort of be a hero, you know, in a sense. Yes. You want to do awesome things. Uh, no limbs, 
they're gonna leave you at home. Yeah. And like, and so, <laughs> I want to be an adventurer. Sorry, dude. So if, <laughs> like, so like, if you can, listen sorry. to me, <laughs> it's not gonna happen, bro. Yeah. If you can find a way to make no limbs or whatever flaw it is, have you still be part of the group and be part no. of the heroic adventure or whatever it is? Like, then it's good, but that requires yeah, it be great. creativity. Bait. Exactly. It requires work. Bait. <laughs> <laughs> you can't even argue, like, all right, Timmy, we're using you as bait. No, no I don't no, want to. Well, sucks for you, dude. <laughs> Sorry, dude. <laughs> all right, get the barbecue sauce. Oh, <laughs> gosh. Timmy, get the barbecue sauce. Yeah, you, it's, you don't want to go so far um, that your character is flawful. And you're... Yeah. Is what? Flawful. Flawful. Your your character's flaw isn't the the theme of the entire story. Yeah. And it can't be the thing that everything and everybody centers on. Yeah. Even if you center on it, even if it's a big deal to you, you have to find creative ways to be part of other people's stories as well. Yeah. Yeah. Alright, so let's we've talked about flawed characters. Uh, let's talk about uh, the pros and cons of a flawless character because I've seen a lot of players in my time want to make the flawless character. Yeah. He's good at, he's good at everything. He's strong. He's brave. He fears nothing. He runs into combat and he slays everything. Uh, and everybody in the group is in awe of him. Like I want my character to stand out and for every other player at the table to go, gosh, he's so cool. And I've never actually Every seen that player, last part happen. They want the player to, all the players to be like little fangirls. Yep, yep. Yeah. I've never seen that actually happen. I but, okay, so let's... Pros of being a flawless character. And, Chris, I know you just stated, like, I was thinking about pros, and I can't, like... You yeah, came, up, you like, came I, up with the pros for this. Yeah. And I remember you were just like, yeah, I don't like these pros. And me and Jared were, like, saw your yeah. pros, and we're like, they're cons, man, but let's talk about that anyway. Yeah, I was like, I guess <laughs> I guess one of the pros could be you're not bad at anything. Yeah. I mean, all your stats are 18s, you know, and, like, you're you're just amazing at everything. Like, yep. that could be a pro to it. Yeah, you know? and it, it could be great. I don't know. But, Jared, you and me were talking about this, and we thought of, like, a specific example. You've kind of worked... Oh, more than I just kind of it popped in my head, but you kind of actually worked out a little bit. So you want to talk about the problem with your character being good, being good at everything? Yeah. So I immediately, you know, when I start asking myself, flawed character or flawless character, the example that comes to my mind is is a comic book superhero example. And at this table, I am not the comic book guy, so don't hold anything against me or the podcast. <laughs> but uh, I immediately think of the flawless character is Superman. Uh, and then I think of the flawed character, uh, who I think is awesome, is my favorite superhero, is Spider-Man. Um, when you have Superman, you know, Mitch and I have joked about, you know, what it must have looked like for them to come up with the idea of Superman. <laughs> and it's just a bunch of people sitting around the table saying their favorite superpowers. Yeah. Uh, and- I got a great idea for a superhero. He's going to fly. Ah, oh, that's good, Terry. Let's make that. No, 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 I'm not done. I'm not done. <laughs> He's also super strong. Okay, super strong. And fly. Well, I'm not done. I'm not done. <laughs> He's got laser eyes. All right. He's got frost breath. <laughs> All right. He goes faster than a speeding bullet. Okay, are you done? We need a, we need a weakness. We need a weakness. Uh, how about a green rock that isn't green? Sounds great. Write it down. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's just uh, Superman is, if you have a character at the table who's basically your Superman, even if everybody else is an awesome superhero, they're not going to have fun playing with Superman. Nobody would have fun playing with Superman, except for maybe the person who's playing Superman. <laughs> and if that was me, I wouldn't be having fun. 
Because there's not enough conflict. And, and it forces, if your weaknesses are so few, it forces uh, the DM or the players around you to have the same thing happen all the time. There's no conflict unless a green rock is involved. Yeah. Um, if you've got a... That's you know, not really green. Right. <laughs> right. Every, every character will have a weakness. It's impossible to make a, a weak-proof character. If but you if, do have a character without, if, without weaknesses, you don't have a story. Right. There's no story and I still, at all. And I still think it's it really is impossible, but if your only weakness as this awesome wizard is uh, somebody coming and stabbing you in your sleep or whatever, that's That's everybody's weakness. That's going to well, I'm just saying like if you only have a couple not weaknesses, you, not you become a lich. <laughs> well, that's true. The the DM cannot put conflict into the story to challenge you and to progress things story-wise and to give you a fun environment to play in without doing that one thing over and over and over again. Yep. Whereas if you have a Spider-Man, Spider-Man is awesome, I think. He can do so many cool things. He can find creative ways to fight uh, bad guys or whatever. He's always got witty one-liners, too, that are great. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, he's, but he's obviously flawed. I mean, he's, he's the nerd of the group. That's why I like him. But he can definitely be beat. Uh, Superman, really, if he's beat, it's an accident. It's going back to what you said. The underdog story is so much more compelling. Like, what happens in the Justice League universe is something bad happens up, better call Superman. There's like all Who are you like, going to call? Every time there's a problem, it's like if Superman's off somewhere else, they're all like, oh no, Superman. The world almost dies. Superman's not here. Batman, who's my favorite DC comic book character, you watch the Justice League cartoons, he's always up in the tower using the computer being like, all right guys, he's over here. Like It's like, no, I want to see Batman kick some butt. Like, I want to see all these superpowered people fly around. Like, and I love superheroes. I love superpowered guys. But I really like... The, the idea of, okay, the more powerful a character is, the more they have to have some sense of a flaw. In the Marvel Universe, there's this guy called the Sentry, and he has the power of, I think it's 10,000 exploding suns. That's ridiculously powerful. No big deal. Problem is, is that he has, like, the mind of a child, and he has a bad side of himself called the Void. He's got, like, multiple personality disorder, and the Void, for every good thing he does... The Void does something terrible. So, they're just like, uh, we don't want to use the Sentry. Sentry, you just stay in your tower. <laughs> like, don't come here, Sentry. <laughs> like, please, please. Oh, crap, Sentry did something good. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Send him to the planet we want to destroy that has yeah. a bunch of bad guys. So, I think, especially, like, the more powerful your character is, like, with something, it's even better to give him a powerful flaw that works in hand with that. Now, what's, what's another pro for being flawless? Uh, Chris, you have written down here, they have a wide range of things you can do as a player with your character. Yeah, I mean, you could, if you were sick of being a fighter, you could be like, hey, my intelligence is really high, I could become a wizard, mm -hmm. you know, and I could get a whole bunch of extra spells and stuff like that. Like, yeah. you, could, you could just change into basically whatever you wanted to do within a campaign. I mean... You have the stats that you would be able to. Is essentially what I was thinking yeah. when I when I and wrote we're that. not and we're not saying multi-classing and things like that is bad. That's really interesting. No, yeah, yeah. It's more just the sense of having nothing wrong with your character. Nothing wrong. It's yeah. like where hey, uh, let's uh, break down. Let's I'm a fighter and let's break down this door. Uh, hey, I'm a rogue. Uh, I can I can unlock that door. Well, then the multi-class wizard comes and he's like, listen, I'm a 
I'm a wizard and a rogue, and I have just as high as of an unlock as you do. So I'm gonna. It's like let the let the poor rogue shine a little, you jerk. <laughs> like yeah. leave him alone. Like yeah. it's you don't want to overshadow everybody either. It's good to have your place in a group. I think flaws are a good a good way to make a group all work together and make teamwork happen. Yeah, I, yeah, I think that's very very true. Yeah, flaws flaws make you have teamwork. Yeah. Because you have to overcompensate for something that you're bad at. So let's yeah. talk about let's talk about the cons of being flawless and then we'll move into uh, our what we're really excited about is talking about examples of yeah. characters in our campaigns. Yeah. So, uh, the cons of being flawless. Well, uh, first of all, a flawless character like Chris you've been said before, 18 intelligence, 18 strength, 18 dex. First of all, you must be cheating on your rolls. <laughs> yeah. Second of all, it's like that's that that can break the game to have like a crazy we like the we Superman. He is OP. He is overpowered. Having overpowered characters in campaigns, we've seen it firsthand. Break games. Well, in the DM, as you know, us being DMs, we have to. We don't want to under adjust our campaign for that character because he's just going to go and annihilate everything. Yep. And if you over adjust, and you over adjust, it makes it awful for the players yep. that that. You know, wanted to have flaws and wanted to have lower ability scores because they're like, we have to run away from everything, or we have to stay a extreme distance away and just let whoever has the highest scores go in and and do stuff. We you know, we preach about it all the time, but the dungeon master is your job uh, to make sure your game is balanced and to make sure everybody at the table, not just one person, is having fun. Yeah, and that can be really difficult if you have uh, somebody at the table that likes min maxing and things like that, and or that. If you don't roll in front of the DM and somebody comes to the table with a character with all 14s or higher 18, or 18, 17, 16, 18, 18, it's like, oh, I'll take one 14 to make it yeah. seem like I wasn't but so, cheating. That can definitely be a con. Yeah. The other one, I think it could just be naturally boring. Like, you're not yeah. going to have anything that's going to create to the story. And we kind of talked about this a little bit, but it's like, you... You're, you're not really giving anything to the story if you're perfect at everything. There's a reason people hate people that are all perfect all the time. <laughs> to have that idea of a character that runs into battle and just chops off heads and he's just amazing at everything. I great cleave. Like great we said, cleave, like great, great cleave. most of the times if somebody's making a character like that, what they really want is they want everybody in the group, all the players, to go, dude, you're so cool. Well, that doesn't happen in real life because they're trying to have a character and like want their character to shine as well. And so what ends up happening with those types of characters is they're the character that gets focused on the least. The characters with the flaws, it's like people are like interested. Huh? What's going on with that guy? Like, I want to figure this out. I want to talk to them. The guy's just running in and slaying everything and battle all the time and has no flaws. They're not compelling as a character. Yeah. You don't need to get to know them more because there's not much more underneath their personality besides, I am the best. Like, yeah. Um, and that's a flaw in itself, but not the one we're trying to tell people that you should have. <laughs> right, right. That is a bad flaw to have. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think, you know, we, we talked about this a little bit. I think one thing you can do as a DM is, you know, before your campaign even starts, like, you can explain the importance of flaws to your characters. Uh, and some, a lot of them probably know this already, but you can, you can say it in a way that, that people are going to understand the importance of it. And you can even go so far to make it a rule before your campaign starts, too. That's like, hey, you need to have a flaw. Tell me what it is. We're going to try and incorporate it into the story, um, whether that's, like, helping you get over it, you know, helping you get over a gambling addiction or, you know, your character is just naturally a, a coward or, you know, f fearful of things to help mm -hmm. him 
gain his heart or whatever, you know, what, whatever you want it to be. I think you could incorporate that in as a DM yeah. to say, hey, this is something that we're going to do this time. You know, come up with a flaw. Everybody have one flaw. Yeah. Everybody, you've got all these feats. You got all these cool things. Everybody pick a flaw and really try to make that yeah. fun with your character. Instead of instead of rolling your eyes at me as the DM, try and work with it and have it be fun. Yep. Um, now, uh, going along with flaws and making them uh, important to playable characters, the same thing happens with NPCs. The most memorable NPCs are going to be P- NPCs that um, have flaws. Like Those are the ones that really stick out. Some kind of flaws. We've, we'll talk about NPCs in a future episode, but just to mention a couple of characters with flaws, like quickly, like uh, Stomp is one of all your guys' favorite. I love Stomp. Um, favorite characters. He was a goblin and he was flawed. <laughs> like, yeah. You guys took him on as a pet, pretty much. Uh, he became part of your group. The the goblin, for whatever reason, whether it was intelligence or something, he didn't speak. So this this goblin just made noises and. Like, you guys had to communicate with him through hand gestures, and, like, he understood you guys, but he didn't speak, and that was a flaw, and you guys latched onto that goblin, and he was... I feel we, like you guys liked, liked him. Stomp more than anybody else in the group. <laughs> we liked him so much, we made him king. Yeah, you made him <laughs> the king of a city, as far as he was as concerned. As far as he was concerned, yeah. <laughs> But he's, he's a good example of a flawed character. Uh, what are some other examples of NPCs that are flawed? I don't know that I can think of any specifically, but I remember talking to you earlier, and I think when you're DMing, uh, instead of having that dwarven blacksmith in town who's just a blacksmith, yeah. even if you just know, even if it doesn't come out, but even just being able to say to yourself, this guy is totally afraid of elves. He can't stand elves. That's sort of a, an easy and natural one to do. Um, or if maybe that guy has a gambling addiction. Uh, maybe he's a pathological liar. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe all of his goods are stolen. These are all different flaws and things that you can do to make an embassy memorable. Maybe he's not part of your group like Stomp was for us, but at least he can be memorable. Yeah. And that helps you as the DM have an informed idea of how he's going to react to things. Instead of, uh, maybe he doesn't always have fair prices for certain people. That could be a fun thing to try and figure out. Why one person in your party got a sword for for ten gold? Racism, and other, and, be, yeah. yeah, and make the other people, guy in the party. Basically, got what we're hundred. saying: make people in your campaign racist. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I think in a fantasy world, racism is great. Oh, it yeah. works so yeah. good with role playing opportunities, especially if you have an orc in your party, and most people are racist towards orcs, even half orcs. Another one one NPC that jumps to mind that even you wouldn't think flawed. When, when I first mention it, but uh, we've talked about him before, but Bastion Windsailor. Oh, most yeah. powerful wizard in my world. When you think of Bastion, you don't think flawed. But when you guys interacted with him in Sons of Bastion, there were flaws to Bastion that made it hard for you guys to interact with him. He wasn't very the personable. Guy, yeah, he wasn't. And the reason he ha- there's reason behind that. He's thousands of years old. Be- and so the little problems that your characters in your lifetime have, the little ones... Like, really, they're, they're specs to him. Like, yeah. why would it matter to him? He's concerned about the big picture, right. the world problems, and you're complaining about, oh, my mom died. Oh, who cares? Bastion doesn't care that much because he's so removed from that. He's seen death so many times. That's a flaw. It makes sense. But it made it a little bit difficult at points for you guys to understand where Bastion was coming from. At the end of the campaign, like... He, he made sure you guys are all safe. He had, like, a heart for you. He's just old and cranky. It made it a little bit <laughs> old hard. Old yeah, It made it a little bit hard for, like, that was a flaw in his yeah. personality. Yeah. But it makes him memorable. All right. 
Let's talk about the, the thing that we're really excited about. Let's talk about, Jared, you're here. Uh, you're, you're here to give examples about uh, characters that you've played in our past campaigns. We're here. We've enjoyed your characters. So we'd like to talk about some examples of how you can take a character that you make, give them a flaw, and make it one of the best parts about your role-playing experience with that character. So let's talk about it. First off, let's talk about the big one. Jophiel the Versifier. Who was Jophiel the Versifier? Uh, Jophiel, or as I prefer, Bishop Jophiel the Versifier. <laughs> I'm, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. sorry. Don't want to undermine it. I apologize. Bishop <laughs> Jophiel the Versifier, knight to Goblin King of Orenthal. <laughs> Thank you very much. Faithful servant to, to Lear. <laughs> uh, yeah, he, he was uh, an Asimar, uh, so uh, a good sort of outsider, almost human... Uh, sort of angel-like creature, uh, to give a brief definition of that. He started off as a cleric and ended up becoming uh, a healer and a bishop. And so he was the group's healer. Uh, but his big flaw uh, was that he was a total pacifist. Uh, yeah, he was. It was annoying at times. <laughs> <laughs> he, he would not fight any living thing. There was a point when I did get one kill versus an undead creature. Quote-unquote kill. Right. Undead. Uh, and, that, and that was one of the biggest moments of the campaign <laughs> that for was me like, and other people. That was like over half a year into the campaign. Everybody at the table was like, Ah! He because, killed something! Yeah, we're, he really did! We're a long time into this campaign, and they've never seen me really attack anything. I would like hit things a little bit to defend myself. If needed, like, but more like to push them off me. It became a constant joke. Uh, Jophiel, you have attack of opportunity, and you would say... Um, I'm casting a spell. <laughs> it, you even made a shirt on it. It was right, great. I we loved it. Yeah, weren't there times even with your guy, like when he would just be like, I'm going to sit down and record this. He would like go off in the distance and like write down everything that was going on. And so, and so that's, a, that's a good... One of the problems is if you have a huge fall like pacifism... Uh, especially in a D&D group or campaign where 95% of the rules have to do with battle and conflict like that, um, it's really hard to figure out why the heck would this guy be with this group of murderers, in his opinion, this very violent group. Uh, and so for him, uh, his whole point is he worshipped the goddess Lear, who's this obscure goddess, uh, which is all about art and literature. So that was his big thing. He loved to paint. And uh, every time possible, he would, would record things. And so he got together with this group of adventurers for the sole purpose of recording their adventures as a good story. Uh, and so he didn't necessarily participate in them too much. Uh, but his thing, he can't let his main you know, protagonist die. Uh, so he would go and he would heal them in the midst of battle because he cared about these people. Uh, he just didn't want to fight. Uh, and so Joe Phil was by far my favorite character I've ever played. Uh, if I ever had an opportunity, I would play him again. Uh, anytime because it was a lot of fun to play a flawed character like that. Yeah. Uh, even even going into the Colosseum or the the arena. Oh my gosh. Uh, one of my favorite <laughs> stories is uh, unexpectedly, Jofiel decides he's going to enter into the arena to fight some creatures. Now I, as the DM, am <laughs> watching you do this, and like I'm just shaking my head because I'm like, what is he? Gonna, what does he have up his sleeve? I'm more worried than, like, the OP character going into battle. I'm like, oh my gosh, what's he going to do? <laughs> was your guy really OP? My guy, no, no, no. no, no. Oh, but I'm more worried in this situation of this pacifist enter, entering into a fighting arena oh, than seeing an OP okay. character enter a battle 
to like take the victory out of everybody else's like turns. Yeah. Like this is this is I'm like, what is Jared planning? <laughs> so I go into this arena, which is in the city where I think the only temple or one of a few temples was this temple to Cord. Uh, a society about like that appreciates Very fighting different. and training, uh, and so I go into the this arena, and in the middle of battle, I sort of fly into the air because at this point I had wings. Uh, hopefully, I didn't abuse <laughs> the wings too much. So I fly into the air, and I'm casting light in my hands, and I preach to the people who are here to see bloodshed. That's their one form of entertainment in all the world is bloodshed. And I'm preaching them about pacifism and peace and nonviolence. Meanwhile, there's a minotaur underneath you swinging his club, like trying to hit you, but you're too far off. So uh, eventually, I guess the wizards who are in there to make sure stuff stuff like that doesn't happen had to use spells to get me down. Uh, and then you fought a minotaur, or didn't fight a minotaur. Yeah, uh, <laughs> just and, run around in a circle. And one of the things I knew is that there wasn't really any dying in the arena. You just kind of go unconscious, mm-hmm. and they pull you out. It's they stop the creatures before they murder right. you. <laughs> and so I just kind of sat there, <laughs> laid down, or whatever, and took it. <laughs> Lay down and just took it. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, Joe I think, really became... He was the peacemaker in the group. Um, you know, there wasn't any alignment constriction, so it was it was really difficult. And I considered it my job as a player to use this peace character to bring the group together and hold them together so they could work. We kind of we kind of joked about that. Uh, there's another character we'll talk about later, but these two characters in that group that had these flaws about them that at times to the group could be so annoying, and they like the players and the characters would out loud be like, "Oh my gosh, Joe feel like." We're all dying. Hit the guy in the face, please. Like, these characters that had flaws, we joked that they were the glue to the group. Because on weeks that you guys weren't there, the group was arguing, the group was getting into trouble, they were not doing well ever because you guys were not there to keep them together. And you guys became the glue to the group, and it was it was interesting that your flaws helped the group stay together. So I guess one of the last things I would say when it comes to Joe Feel and being a pacifist is, uh, after doing that, I looked online, and you can find some forum discussions on having a pacifist character, and I've never seen anybody say, yeah, it's a good idea. Mm-hmm. Some will ask and say, I would like to do this. How can I best do this? But everybody says, don't do it. Don't do it. It's just terrible. But it was, it was the, it's what made me fall in love with, with Dungeons & Dragons, with playing that character. Yeah. So. But it, re- it required creativity, and it required using that character to focus on other characters as well. It's funny, because that is your longest played character. A character that, when it got to your turn in battle, when you got attacks of opportunity, you would not hit people. It you was, just wouldn't. <laughs> it was incredibly boring at times. And I've never really liked battle. I'm not the battle guy. I'm the roleplay guy at the table, at least... Uh, most you're, of the time. You're in good company at this table right, right now. And, and so, and there's nothing wrong with being the guy who really likes the fighting. That's an exciting thing, and just visualizing that, it can be awesome to do that. But it, it became a struggle for me, and that was probably a downside to it, uh, because I would just have to sit there during battles and eventually run out of heal spells. And, uh, <laughs> and then that was another flaw, because right. you couldn't do anything. I mean, anymore. that's what forced me to do, like, homebrew classes like Healer and stuff that help with that. Yeah. But, um, so that was a challenge, but definitely worth it. All right, let's move on to your next character. These two next characters you played very briefly, but they were amazing ideas. They're definitely worth mentioning. So I originally hail from New York. What's up, all my New York friends? Listen to my podcast right now. Four of you. Um, <laughs> uh, so I, I, every now and then I'll go back to New York. I'll visit. 
Now, for one summer, I went back there, like, while I was still in college, I spent the summer there, and I played Dungeons and Dragons with my friends there. Um, and Jared, you were not playing, and so we decided, let's try and get Jared in with Skype. And so that was an attempt that we tried, and it wasn't the greatest thing. But because of this, because you were playing through Skype, you had an amazing idea that was really quite fun the night that you played, um, based off the idea that I'm going to be hindered by playing on Skype. Uh, you created this character called Shepard. Would you like to tell us about Shepard? Basically, Shepard was uh, just very simply a monk, um, standard human monk. But his big flaw was that he was blind. Uh, so I have this <laughs> monk, which is which is always melee hand to hand <laughs> combat, as far as I'm ever seen, uh, who who couldn't see anything. Uh, and I didn't want him to be a total detriment to the group, and so I I sort of worked things in the background and, and probably even cheated a little bit. I can't remember how it all came together to really make it so he was capable. Uh, so like basically super senses and could tell where things were and could fight them and, and do an all right job. But the flaw was really fun to play. And seeing as how I had to play via Skype, it was really easy to not uh, worry about having to see uh, sort of the battle map and everything that was going on because yeah, when, my character was blind. When we got in battle, anyway. we kept that Skype camera focused on the group playing. So you were looking at the group, and we did not let you see the battle board. Right, and so that was that was a lot of fun. And so I, I really just had to say I moved towards the sound um, as best I could, and I left that up to the DM and whatever. But it was it was a lot of fun to play yeah. and sort of challenge myself on that. And because and there's rules on being blind for like your life and like the added as you get to like listen things like that. So you would roll to like see if you heard things before you were able to like move in directions, but because you had those additives like you were still able to like most of the time go and find the guy, but that's still like it is it's definitely a flaw. I mean, you're not seeing the battle map, you're also yeah when you when you're not blind, you just go. I move over and I hit him. Like you had to roll, and most of the time you were able to, but you had to roll and try and figure out where he was. One of the things that was really fun, I think I remember this happening correctly, is we're in this room. There's a, a gong in the room, and something is guarding it. Some large or an ogre, an ogre yep. was guarding this big gong, and so he was basically supposed to sound this alarm if somebody came in there. And so I'm walking in there blind. People tell me where he is, and so I go up, and I'm getting ready to go in there, but somebody's thinking, oh, there's a gong in this room, we can't let him warn, uh, can't let him warn the other people, and so they have a brilliant idea of casting, what, Cone of Silence Silence, in the room, (laughs) and so the one tool I had to find this thing, which was me listening to it snore, all of a sudden there was no sound coming, like, inside that cone, where I was. Enter and Helen I, Keller. <laughs> and oh, I, gosh. And I just had to stand there and try and think of something I could do to help. I can't ask where he is because they can't hear me. Yeah. Um, I can't hear where he is. I can't see where he is. That was the funnest, most perfect thing that could happen. And it was an accident. Somebody yeah. didn't think about the blind guy in the group. It was, it was great. <laughs> it was a great experience. It was fun. And once again, you created a character with a... Huge flaw that, for the group, you became the most interesting character of the night. They wanted to know more about you. They were hanging out with you, always talking to you. It was a flaw that you had a blast with, and everybody else had a blast with as well. Um, Okay, let's move on to 
your third character, and then we'll talk about uh, just two more characters that weren't yours in our group, but uh, you had a character recently. We don't even remember the name because, well, why didn't we remember the name for the character? Well, I I thought a while back, and it's something we wanted to do for a long time, of what if have you had a character that had amnesia? Uh, and I looked into it, and I thought about it, and so I decided to create a character who had amnesia. And, and I didn't do it in a very realistic sense, but what I wanted to do with this character was not just say he had amnesia, but I wanted Mitch to make the character, yeah. uh, to, to, to figure out uh, the, backstory. the race, the backstory, the class, yeah. the abilities, the feats, all of that. I never once and still haven't seen that character sheet, even though I don't play the character anymore. And so I wanted to wake up or whatever, not knowing anything, my name or anything, and have to figure out and stumble through life trying to figure out, should I even be wielding a sword? <laughs> uh, can I even shoot? Do I even know what a bow feels like? And, and not having any idea what I was good at or bad at and just having to like sort of fill in as I went and discover it. And the funny thing is, when you play that character, you, you were a prisoner of Knowles, and you were... In a cage, in the dark, so you didn't even know what you looked like. Right. <laughs> you had nothing. You had no mirror, no nothing. So at at the point of playing, you had no idea what race, nothing. You couldn't. You did not know anything. It was great. It was a really fun. It was a really fun character to see you work through that. And I wish you could have played it more. Um, scheduling hasn't worked out that you've been able to, but um, it was. It's a very interesting flaw, and that's an interesting way. If you want to try that, like if a player wants to try that, it's I enjoyed. Doing that work to put that together and coming up with a backstory and making it work with my story. Wait, was that the one that you did during the campaign the night I wasn't here? I Is that yes. one? Yeah, oh. you were in yep. here. Dude, yeah, that stinks. I wish I would have seen that one. Yeah. Um, and I mean, it was, it was only one time, and like if I were to play tonight or whatever, I'd pick <laughs> I mean, up. you just make it, hey, do I remember you guys? Uh, he's he's still alive. He's shepherding in yeah, some I, town. He, he, became, <laughs> oh, yeah. he became part of a three-person gang of yep. shepherd, I think, yep. uh, called the Crooks. The Crooks, yeah. And their thing was, you do a little shepherd's crook with your finger, pound your fist, and say, Crooks for life. <laughs> and crooks so, for life. And it's like these two, it's these two acne-filled teenagers <laughs> that he's hanging out oh, with. Oh, Crooks for life. <laughs> yep, that's pretty much what it was. Uh, so yeah, I mean, that was a stroke of genius, I'll that, admit it on my part. <laughs> that was that was a lot of fun to play, not knowing if I'm uh, an exiled king of some nation somewhere or an ex peanut farmer with a wife and kids somewhere. Uh, and so it's I still I still have no idea, but uh, so that was a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, so those are those are three examples of flaws that can be great. Um, thank you, Jared, for joining us. Continue, and obviously, we're not shutting you up. Uh, but let's uh, let's talk about just we have two more characters that we'll talk about briefly, um, especially the next one because we actually want to invite the player on to talk about him more in depth on another episode. But going back to Joe Field's group, uh, Joe Field's group had two more characters that had huge flaws in it. The first was this character called Raxus. I like Raxus. <laughs> I think everybody enjoyed Raxus. Raxus. You never knew what you were going to get out of him. Nope. I liked him until the end <laughs> to become a worshiper of some evil god. Yep. Uh, well, part of him. <laughs> no, <what laughs> Two parts of him. Yeah. Uh, so the flaw with Raxus was that Raxus had multiple personality disorder. Yeah, he did. And so each one of us, he had three personalities. One was just, I think, was chaotic good, um, just completely just goofy, silly yeah. good. Uh, one was true neutral, um, selfish, all about himself, and then there was one that was chaotic evil. 
I think maybe it was lawful good was the good. Part. I think it was like I think it was, it was lawful. Went it was like different complete, spectrum. I, yeah. Uh, but so I as the he created personalities for each one of these characters. He in fact he went so far to make it even a flaw into something really fun for him where he had a different class for each character mm-hmm. that he just leveled up like normal. And when he changed, he got all those stats and things. So as as the DM. I had a whistle or a bell, and every time I blew it or, or I rung the bell, he had to roll and he had a chart that he rolled for, and whatever he landed on, he would either not change or he would change to a different personality. This became an amazing flaw that centered around so much in the group. Raxus is the one person of the group that gets crucial information. Well, he doesn't tell you until three months later because he keeps on changing yeah. and he forgets to be able to be with you. Raxus goes off. Raxus gets a ton of money from uh, you guys getting a dragon horde, and then changes into lawful good goofy Raxus and spends it all on mushrooms or something like <laughs> weird like that. Like it was, it was a flaw, but it made the character very sweet till the fun. end. Like you said, Jared, when he started worshiping an evil god and was. Uh, almost an enemy of the group. <laughs> Wait, didn't Joefield try to burn down a temple at one point in time? Joefield, yeah, he did attempt he did. to burn down a temple. Yeah. Yeah, a temple to Korn. You didn't burn it down. I you burnt stuff I in burnt it. Stuff in and it, then yeah. got thrown in jail. <laughs> yeah, you know, pacifist nonviolence, but I made sure there wasn't anybody that was going to get hurt in the temple. Yeah. yeah. For some reason, I thought that was the one that he started worshipping, and then that's that's why yeah, you, you were you were not popular in that city for a while. Yeah. <laughs> um, until you pretty much saved the city. But anyway, so yeah, Raxus was... <laughs> Uh, that's an, an idea for a flaw, um, a pretty complicated one, but one could be really it was, fun. It was a lot of fun uh, to be a player watching that. Yeah. Now the next now the next character's name was Balfurst the Bofo, and he was also a character in Jofiel and Rax's group. He was, our friend Kale played this character, and he was a paladin. And so the flaw that we would say with his paladin isn't something you really consider a flaw right off the bat, but... Uh, he followed very strictly the Paladin's code. Printed it out, made to sure they followed T. to the T, to the letter, followed this code. Now, if you've ever had a Paladin who follows the code to the T and a rogue in the group as well, and we had two in this group, they do not mesh well together. No. Um, now, this was the character that I also stated before, Jofiel and Balfurst were the two characters that their flaws came into conflict with the group a lot and were aggravating other players and characters, but then they would not be there and the game would the group would fall apart because they didn't have those good characters driving the group for yeah. teamwork. Yeah. And and Balfour's the Bofo, even as a DM, I'd be like, gosh, your paladin code. Uh, but it also gave me good uses to put in role playing and obstacles in the way that um, would allow you guys to role play through them with him as a paladin in the group. Yeah. Uh, he got Balfour's did not like Stomp. In fact, at one point, Balfour's killed Stomp because well, and he that was, was evil. I think that was part of his flaw too. Yeah. Like that came out, and that's why he killed Stomp. Well, Caleb himself said, "Dude, I love Stomp, but Balfour's hates him, and so I killed him." And then you guys spent like five thousand gold and resurrected Stomp, and <laughs> Stomp's head yeah, is gone. Stomp the resurrected gone. part of his long title. Stomp the resurrected King of Orenthal. <laughs> 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 But yeah, Balthus was... I just, I remember one day we're, we're in this dungeon, we're going around the corner, the enemies aren't looking, and we want to sneak in and, and sort of surprise these enemies. Caleb turns the corner and says, hey, yeah. face me. <laughs> and all the rogues in the crew go, oh, gosh, I hate uh, you, dude. Yeah, because part of his paladin <laughs> no code attack. was is he can't yeah. sneak attack. You yeah. can't he sneak has to let the enemy at least yeah. have a chance. And defend themselves. Yeah. <laughs> you exactly. know, arm yeah. themselves and, and defend There's themselves. There's no sneaking. There's no, like, all right, group group huddle. All right, we're going to sneak it through the back, 
Battlers, no, we're not. We're going through the front door. We're knocking. <laughs> we're going to knock on that door. We're not going to knock the door down. That would be bad. We're going to knock. <laughs> yeah. Balfour's was definitely, in a sense, flawed yeah. in a very positive way for role-playing for the group as a, to be a team together, even though sometimes it hindered them. It and, was really good. And, and he didn't set, and this is an important thing, he didn't set out just to have that as a flaw. No. He started playing a paladin, he realized there was a code, and he played the class he picked. If yep. you have an 8 stat for something, play it. Uh, if you're a wizard, you shouldn't be the strongest person. Play that and emphasize those weaknesses that come naturally with your ability score rolls, the class you choose, and the race you choose. If you if you are one of the people who love to dump your, chris, your charisma stat as your dump stat, well, you shouldn't be giving long speeches, or they should be awful long speeches. <laughs> yeah. You should not be. You need to figure out some way that you're not charismatic, whether it's because you are an acne-ridded um, crook, of a shepherd, <laughs> uh, or you just have yeah, no speaking ability whatsoever. So, um, these are these are really good examples of how flaws can be really. Oh, they were a blast. Really, yeah, yeah. They they're the most memorable characters. I think yeah. most of them. That's um, why we have them on the list. That's why we have them <laughs> on the list. And so that's those are examples of great playable characters. How you can take a flaw, how you can make it into something amazing, into something not flawful. So I hate the fact that you tried to coin falafel. I love it. It's coined. It's <laughs> trademarked. Don't steal it. Let's go to our light bulb. Light bulb. So for the light bulb this week, uh, I thought since we talked about uh, flaws, one of the flaws that we mentioned was uh, having a character be addicted to gambling. Oh, yeah. So we've had many experiences in our D&D campaign where we've went into gambling halls and characters have, more often than not, lost tons of gold. Sometimes somebody strikes <laughs> it big, yeah. but more often than not, somebody loses. Yeah, but most times we've experienced people hit it big, they want to keep trying to hit yeah, it big. Yeah, they don't know when they to start, stop. They start yeah, betting more exactly. and then they lose more. Yeah. Um, so I thought it would be a good idea to talk about some of the things that we've done uh, to or and some ideas that what you can actually do at the table to play with gambling. Mm-hmm. Uh, so some of the things that we've done is, Chris, in your campaign, you did uh, wolf races. Yep. And so yep. you uh, just you quickly explain kind of what you did. Yeah, I, I, I gave, uh, I had people, they could they could bet. They could go up to the little goblin or the little gnome guy at the entrance and say, hey, I want to bet on this wolf. There was, there was odd set up. There was like two to one odd, four to one odd, six to one odd, eight to one odd, just for round numbers. Um, and I had dice equivalents like lined up for each one of the percentages that, you know, if it was, you know, two to one, they got a ton of dice. They took the highest number out of those dice. If it was four to one, they got less dice. They took the highest number out of that and so on and so forth all the way down. Um, I split the track up into fourths. There was three different times that they rolled, four different times that they rolled and would just adjust the distances that they got around the track depending on how high their rolls were. Does that make sense? That makes sense. Yeah. So that's, that's what I did for the wolf races. It was, it was a ton of fun to watch. Like, you know, there's the suspense of, okay, this one's in the lead. The one I bet on was on the lead in the first turn. Oh, crap, somebody's catching up to him on the second turn. Okay, pull a little bit away. He's here on the third turn. And then he gets back to the entrance, and he's, like, in third place. Like, he, like, broke his leg or something like that because he rolled so bad, you know. So it was it was, it was was fun for me to be able to do that type of thing as a gambling situation. Yeah. So what about you? Uh, and, and going along with that, you could also, it doesn't have to be, of course, wolves. You can yeah, use you that can system do and do horses, 
dogs, whatever it yeah. is, snails, who cares? Yeah, yeah. Um, but, like, you can have something like that. Uh, I know that we did, we went into the Dark Bellows, which is my version of the Underdark, yeah. and you guys went to, I think your character was one of the ones that went to a, like, fighting gladiator-like match oh, yeah. between, like, creatures, and then you had, like, Umber Hulk. Yeah, battling it out, yep. and they, you got to like pick your Umber Hulk, and like it was so much fun. I came in second time. place. Yeah, you had you voted on. So mad. You bet on one with like a mutated third arm, yeah. right? and he got yeah. beat by this huge one. Yeah. Um. So like you can have animal fighting, you know? Like yeah. it's it's Dungeons and Dragons. There's nobody's going to come to your house and yep. arrest you for fighting. Yeah. And creatures. you can set it up in tournament <laughs> style, like we did for that. Um. You could just have some simple dice games. Yeah. Uh, one game that I've made up, I have no idea where I got this name, if I pulled it from somewhere else or whatever, but there's this dice game that's really simple that we play. Uh, it's basically in my world wherever. I, I call it Ikaro. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, you, each player has three dice. They, they're 3d6. They roll the 3d6, and you add up your total number, and the person with the highest number uh, wins. Now, if you roll doubles, you add plus two to your roll, or no, plus three to your roll, and if you add, roll triples, you add plus five. Right. So if you roll triples, it's like, wow, you, you have a good chance of winning. Um, that's just a simple uh, gambling game that we play, and so uh, that's something that you could add into your campaign. I am one of those weirdos who loves Pirates of the Caribbean number two and three more oh, yeah. than number one. I'm, I know I'm the minority there, but I was watching Pirates of the Caribbean recently, and in the second one, they play this game, and I'm going to use it in the future when we go to gambling halls. Uh, they play this game where they're on the ship, uh, they're on, what's the bad pirate? Why can't I think of him in there? Davy uh, Jones. Davy Jones. Yeah. Davy Jones is uh, his ship, uh, and they're playing for years on the ship, and they're gambling, and they're playing this game where they put Dice in a cup, they slam it down, and they look at their own dice and make bets. And I looked it up, and it's called this game Liar's Dice or Pirate's Dice. And I'm like, this game is sweet. Yeah, I remember that. That'd be I mean, sweet. Look, look up those rules. It's, it's really kind of like cool. poker and dice rolling at the same and, time. Yeah, to an extent, it's like you have to read the other people and try and figure it out. And so you can play that around the table. It's fun. I mean, you could... You just mentioned, like, poker. Like, you could play a couple rounds of poker. Yeah. Like, that could be what they do uh, in the gambling halls. Blackjack. I mean, you could do do any type of game you find in the casino within your world. You can use... You can use figure out a way to use magic cards. Now, of course, yeah. I don't think you want to have everybody bringing magic decks and like playing magic instead of D and D. Magic tournament. I know. Yeah. Uh, I created a uh, dwarven card game with m- vanilla magic cards. Magic cards that didn't have special powers, just power level and stuff. Right. Where uh, there was one deck, everybody randomly drew cards from the deck. They threw their monsters down, and they got a certain amount of monsters. And so it was completely randomized, and uh, basically. Uh, it was like almost like Pokemon, so they didn't regain health. They like got every time right. they got hit, they'd lose that health permanently, and so it was much quicker. Um, I don't remember the exact rules to it, but it was a way that I used magic cards, ones that I wasn't using in decks because right. they were vanillas, and right. just put them into a D and D game and just had another gambling game. Uh, that's that's something that one of the greatest flaws in D and D is. Hey, my guy's addicted to gambling. Cool, DM's well, going to have a lot of fun with it. Yeah, DM's, it's it's fun to watch your players who are like, it's not real money. Yeah. I might as, because there's no real consequences other than in-game to do it. And that's why it's so fun to watch people be like, I could bet 100 gold yep. on this. And sometimes they get lucky. And sometimes they get come lucky. Out, come out like yeah. champs. Yeah. Um, but yep. those are some ideas of uh, gambling games that you could use 
in your D and D. Gambling's fun. Gambling in D and D. Yeah. Light bulb. Thanks again for joining us on the Dungeon Master Block, episode 10. Woo-hoo. Uh We just want to just keep on uh, bringing you guys great stuff, and we uh, hope that you guys keep on interacting with us as you have. We love it. Uh, Chris, they can email us where? Yeah, dungeonmasterblock at gmail.com. There's no S after master. Uh, dungeonmasterblock at gmail.com. Uh, find us on iTunes as well. Uh, leave us a five-star review, uh, and we'll... Mention it on on the podcast. Give you a shout out. Uh, You can also follow us on Twitter at DMS underscore block. That's DMS underscore block. DMs block on Twitter. Uh, We have we post a lot of news on about our podcast and just funny stuff in in general um, on there. So uh, I hear that we're a pretty good follow. That's what I hear. Uh, You can also like us on Facebook, um, and we just want to once again. Just thank you for listening to The Dungeon Master's Block, the place where we focus on the Dungeon Master, the most important person in the game, the only person capable of playing God, killing characters, and lowering the ego of all other people at the table. See you guys. See ya. Keep on Dungeon Mastering. Goodbye.